Yeah, let's do it this way. <laughs> let's turn that off. Does that work? Am I am I on? Yeah. Hold on. Let me see if I. I have no idea why my camera did that. All right, it works. I don't. Tech issues. Um, good morning. My name is Jaron Jackson. I love America. August 16, 2023. Um, for me, it's always about the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection. Good morning, and welcome to the Tech Glitch Show. Uh, Mike Lindell is having his plan to save elections going on right now in Springfield, Missouri. I'd like to talk about that if I can. I'd like to offer my ideas, but I'd most importantly, like to underscore the fact that I agree with Mike Lindell whenever he is finishing his speech. This is the last minute and a half of his opener. He is very specific about the fact that God is in control. He's very specific about the fact that the bad things that you and I would say are bad. He is very specific about the fact that God is using them for good. And what I really appreciate is that he said he was talking to Ben Carson and Ben said that God is having a plan and doing something that we might not just understand. This is a couple years ago. So as Mike Lindell rolls out his plan to save elections, I want to come alongside him as a brother in Christ and say, amen. God bless. The man has put his money where his mouth is. He absolutely loves the country and he's trying very hard. And so I want to affirm him and everybody else that have been in the trenches for years, traveling the nation, talking about election integrity, getting back right and lawful elections. Amen. I want to say I'm sorry to, that I'm late to the game. I've been supportive from afar, but haven't been around doing it. Uh, ran for office last year was my, you know, activity uh, trying to, you know, secure elections. But this is the last minute and a half, two minutes of the Mike Lindell speech. Commentary follows. We are at an apex in history, and we get one chance to save this nation. One chance. 52 other countries have fallen to the voting machines, the last one being Brazil. The people that were selected and not elected in those countries, they're not going to give up their voting machines that got them selected in the first place. And I've been on many calls with people from those countries and they're longing for hope and they know that their hope is in the United States beating this evil. Artificial intelligence and other technologies that man could not even imagine just a few decades ago are expanding faster than you could ever imagine. If we don't have people that are elected instead of selected regulating these technologies, it's over. It's over. But there is great hope. All of these examples that we thought at the time were devastating, I say to you now that they were miracles. They are what got us here today. I told you earlier that we are on God's timing. Well, a year ago in prayer, God provided the seed of a plan that will secure our elections and that that has never done before in history. And this plan to secure our elections immediately has been worked on for over a year. Tomorrow at 1 p.m. Central Time, we will reveal it to the world, and it won't matter who you are, you will embrace it unless you are part of the evil. This will sift out the evil too, because we're going, ah, oh, you don't like this? Um, you're part of the evil. 
Uh, and um, what you thought was that there was any hope, you, if you thought there was any hope, any hope at all, at all was impossible, you will now see with God all things are possible. In Jeremiah 29.11 it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God bless you all. Yeah, like I said, I, I agree with his fundamental premise. God is in control. Sorry, I got my, I have, I got these mints that I use that I, I mean, I, I, I like them. I, I get them at patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was watching the video as I was doing it. So if you want to switch your shopping to support me and do the things that I do, um, and get, you know, the mint, the things that I do and beef and all sorts of other things, there's an opportunity to do that at patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. I appreciate the support. God bless. There's all sorts of other ways. Links are in the description. I believe fundamentally in Mike Lindell's, uh, you know, his worldview. He's a Christian. He believes the Bible. He encouraged people to read the Bible. Read the Bible. Believe the Bible. Stay diligent in the Word. Amen. I want a couple. Want to say a couple things. He's marketing. He's marketing. There will be people that will drag his name, his reputation, the fact that he was a former crack addict, the fact that he talks the way that he talks, and he's the pillow guy. And there will people. There will be people who make fun of him. Mike is absolutely aware of that. He's absolutely aware of that. That is to his advantage. Normal people aren't folks that do things and talk like stuff to get attention. Normal people just kind of go with the flow. But a marketer, Mike Lindell, a marketer knows that attention is influence. Influence equals power. And so money isn't an issue if you've got the power, if you've got the influence, if you've got people's attention. That, that, that's why it's such a big deal when people get canceled. Because it's like, what you canceling them for, bro? Like, what, what are you canceling them for? Because you don't want their ideas to permeate. You don't want people to be invaded through the eyes and through the ears, through the key terrain of the mind, for the prize of the soul. That's why it's so powerful when they start, when these godless comedies start deleting ideas and canceling people. Which is why the gospel is not something that the system, the world system, will ever support. The godless commies will never just allow a biblical gospel to be preached. They'll call it racist. They'll call it anti-Semite. They'll call it homophobic. They'll call it, you know, an insurrectionist. They'll call it a Christian nationalist. They'll, they will call ideas that are dangerous to their power structures, to their preservation, something to attack it. Make, make no doubt. So Mike Lindell is absolutely doing what he's doing as a marketer to get people's attention. Now, he has already won the issue. The issue is people are going to accept the premise that the elections were bad. And even if you argue with the fact that the elections weren't bad, you are using your energy and expending your attention to defeat the ideas that the elections were bad, which promotes the idea that there is such a thing as elections being bad. And so it is already victorious terrain. It is already a uh, an offensive mindset. If you're talking about the efficacy of elections, you've already Mike Lindell has already won. He's already won because you're talking about the efficacy of election. If everyone actually believed the elections were good, 
No one would talk about it. But the fact that he's talking about it, and there's going to be people that attack him for talking about it, means that there's something there, and that people are going to go with it. But he said something. He goes, I'm going to unveil this plan tomorrow. Suspense, right? I'm going to unveil this plan tomorrow, and if you don't agree with it, this is how we're going to separate people from the evils and whatnot. And so I want to go on board and say, regardless of what his plan is, I support it. I support people that do the county commissioner strategy. I support people that do the precinct strategy. I support people that do the, you know, handwritten documents given in, uh, writing in emails. I support all of the above. Because at core, it's the free use of liberty to engage the government. You're telling your government your problems. You're trying to do something about it. Now, having said that, I believe that there are smart ways to do it, and I believe that there are not as smart ways to do it. So no one really knows what Mike Lindell's plan is, but his event in Springfield has a host of people that have gone around the nation telling people how bad the machines are. Telling people that you know they have algorithms or bad data sets, bad chain of custody, bad ballots, smudges, uh, signature matches, all sorts of stuff. I am a more, I have a more simple and basic approach. My approach is that we are in charge of government. Remember, I've I've brought uh, the idea. I've I've started teaching the fact that our constitution is a trust. That people make government. Government that the, excuse me. People make the constitution. We wrote the constitution. We gave it power. That power is then distributed across the three branches, which then gets down to trustees which is anybody that's ever sworn an oath to the Constitution, or I should say, anybody that is in office under oath to the Constitution, and they have all that power for the benefit of the people. The people are both grantor, the creator of government, and the beneficiary, which is the beneficiary of government. So if you are doing your own private stuff and the government is harming you, that is to your not benefit. So now, instead of coming to the, gov the government as a beneficiary, you come to the government as the grantor. You say, I got all the power. You guys need to stop messing with my rights and fix this thing. So I have developed Operation Josiah. Link is in the description below. Let me go ahead and click the machine. Click the button. If you want to get rid of machines, if you want lawful elections, my plan is already there. It is a self-paced sequential plan. And I want to cover what, why I do what I do the way I do it in this third section of the broadcast today. But I want to put the focus on Mike Lindell's plan. So Josiah is what we can talk about later, but the thrust there is we the people make government and so we don't like what our government's doing. That's called maladministration. We don't like what you're doing. Stop it. And we have all the political power, so us telling you to stop is a lawful command. It is that simple. That is the government we have. That's what the Constitution says. And that's what I believe because I can find it written. And there's no argument against it. There would be people that would say, well, that's your interpretation. No, no, no. That's what the words meant when they were written. And if the words meant what they were written and they mean what I say they mean, and they don't say that they don't mean what you say they mean, then you're wrong. And this, you know, I don't want to get off track, but this is where people get into case law and precedent and all this stuff. It's like the founders ended precedent. The founders ended stare decisis when they said this is a trust and we're only going to go off what the trust says. We're only going to use what the Constitution says. If it's not in there, you can't do it. 
That's an express trust. Express, written, public trust for the public government. So there's no such thing as a, as a precedent. There's no such thing as case law. That is, that's a hoax. That's an unlawful, unconstitutional, uh, you know, un, unverifiable hoax. You can't verify that precedent is in the, the Constitution. Anyway, um, Mike Lindell is going to unveil his plan. I have no idea what it is. I, the, the people that are attending don't know what it is. So he's unveiling it tomorrow, but he's made a couple claims. He has said everyone will embrace it unless they are part of the evil, the mainstream media, the God, what I would call the goddess commies. So if you are part of the evil, you won't like it. So if you are not part of the evil, if you're just a normal random person, you know, patriot, Christian, America, whatever, even, even if you're a Democrat or a radical left, even if you disagree with Trump and don't like him, if you want efficacious elections, Lindell claims that you will like his plan. So I have hope because I'm an optimist. Jesus is on the throne and I believe that Christ will get his way. He expects it, Hebrews 10, 13. Now, that doesn't mean that America has to survive, but I do believe because Christ is king and God is good, he will give good gifts. And so as long as people are crying out to him, lamenting in repentance, asking for deliverance, asking for protection, for wisdom to go on offense and not just take it, God, please help us. Well, are you going to put yourself on the line and go do something? Or are you just going to kind of wait for people to come rescue you? And we're cutting. This is testimony of a man named Bob Cheeley. Mike Lindell is up against a big system, a bunch of godless commies. We're going to get to this in the next segment. But Bob Cheeley has been indicted by Fannie Willis, the same godless commie district attorney in Georgia, who's coming after Trump. Bob Cheeley is named on those indictments for this testimony that he gave shortly after the 2020 election. I want to refresh your memory. I want to tie it back in with the, the current ongoings in lawfare going on. And then I want to tie this back to Mike Lindell's plan and how he's presenting it. So go ahead. This is Bob Cheeley testifying under oath about the events in Georgia the night of the 2020 election. Watch this. I'll tell you what occurred there that night that should shock the conscience of every Georgian. Bob, if you would. All right. So this, in the upper left-hand corner, you can see the time. That's 11.05 p.m. This is after everyone was told to go home because there was a major water main break. That was false. There was no water main break at all. There was a toilet leak about 16 or 18 hours earlier in the day, leaking from the ceiling from a suite above. It was cleaned up. It had no impact on this election. The water main break uh, pronouncement was obviously made to, to clear the room of all poll watchers and the media. So they were told that night that uh, the vote count would be suspended because the water main break and that they would resume the vote count the next morning. The next morning, uh, everybody was stunned to learn that the people at uh, State Farm Arena, there were five women that worked for about two and a half hours from uh, just before 11 p.m. until just before 1 a.m. of scanning ballots. And the disturbing thing about it is that uh, there were five of these desks with women uh, at each of the five desks. 
And we've labeled the first one here, kind of focused on her. She's wearing a purple top, desk one. This is at 4x speed, so we don't have to sit there and watch, you know, it in a slower speed. But you can see that this lady is uh, taking the same stack of ballots, and once she runs them through the scanner, there she goes. She sticks them back in and runs them a second time and a third time. And then the lady to her right, wearing the yellow top, we've got a second video that shows that she did the same thing with a stack of ballots on her desk. And uh, so there's ballot scan number three from desk number one. One man, one vote just went out the window at State Farm Arena on the night of November the 3rd, 2020. Amen. Uh, evil. Wrong. Criminal, I believe. Now, the difference between me whenever this happened and hit the airwaves a couple of years ago and now is just the fact that I've read a lot about the law. Now, I want to address two ideas. The first idea is when you see this, you say, why aren't these people in jail? Where's the criminal prosecutions? And when you don't see the criminal prosecutions and you see the fact that cases have been denied courts, you will think, I thought, most people think, the system's all corrupt. And that's not, that, that is a correct observation. The system is corrupt. It's full of a bunch of corrupt people. But that doesn't mean that there's not truth that you can argue in advance that put them in a position where we get what we want despite what they do. This is why, for me, I approach the election integrity issue with maladministration. Maladministration is a low bar to prove. I don't have to prove fraud. I don't have to prove uh, criminal intent. I don't have to prove coordination. I don't have to prove collaboration. I don't have to prove any of that stuff. I don't have to prove anything. All we have to say is, we don't like this. Get back to what the historical usage is get back to what this actually means. Now, when our constitution was were written, ballot meant something. So I want to look real fast at the word ballot, if I can. Nope, not that. Let's do this. It was angled up. Ballot, right? Derived from ballota, a round bullet, voice or lot, means of means act of voting, usually in secret, by balls or by written or printed tickets or slips of paper, the system of voting by balls or tickets, or by any device for casting or recording votes, as, a, as by voting machine. Right? A slip of paper bearing the names of the offices to be filled at the particular election and the names of the candidates for whom the elector desires. So it's a slip of paper. It's in secret, and there is a way to have a voting machine there, right? So we look at ballots, it is paper, there's the list of names, and it's aggregated, and the intent is that people count, that the essence of elections are counting the ballot, or counting the vote. So now I wanna go back to election. Oh, I did it again. Let me go back to election. Where are we at, election? We go back to, my camera's getting messed up. Where are we at? Election. I just saw it. Oh, it's right there. Um, the act of choosing or selecting one or more from a greater number of persons, things, courses, or rights. The internal, free, and spontaneous separation of one thing from another without compulsion, consisting um, in intention and will. The issue in elections, as I see it, is the fact that they are ran poorly. They're ran poorly. 
And so whenever we argue maladministration, what we're really doing is we're saying we have a liberty interest here. And our liberty interest is that you do your job well. If you have ballot scanners, ballot machines connected to the internet, you're not doing ballot counting the right way. You're not actually performing a, a duty, which is a human action, by someone who's sworn to the Constitution. You're running it through these machines connected to the internet that are owned by third parties that are foreign to the Constitution. This is wrong. This is just bad information. It's bad administration. But what most Americans will say when they see these videos is they'll say that this is a crime. And because most people don't understand what the law is, they don't recognize that every single person in that video has their own rights. You would have to swear under penalty of perjury to observe those things. And if you're looking at this video, are you a witness or did you see the video? You would need that corroborating evidence, that corroborating witness. So instead of chasing the fraud, which is, I believe it's there, I believe it's criminal, I believe it's wrong, I'm trying to advance arguments in the law by right that the Constitution says we can, or the Constitution says that are true, and that literally everybody in government has already agreed to. Because if you come after people with fraud, they can lawyer up and drag things out, which delays the election. Like, I mean, if the election was stolen, I believe it was, and you go after people with fraud, each and every one of them have their own individual criminal cases that they can lawyer up and get defense for. And if you get at, at that point, now how long down the road are you from you know, that election? It's 2023. This was November 2020. We're years down the road. And so the, one of the problems that I saw at the time was this immediate sense of, of urgency, this imminence of get the truth out there. And so if you're alleging fraud, you're bringing in crimes. If you talk about crimes, then people need have rights in criminal pro prosecutions. To the contrary, we're just going to say they have bad, bad administration. I'll get to that in the third segment. But the reason why this is important is because Mike Lindell and, every, and a lot of other people are impacting the sway of elections. There is, they're, they're impacting the public, the, the public psyche by persistently pointing these things out. They've done yeoman's work. I believe they, they deserve support in whatever way that you can. It's a good thing. I just wanted to go on record to say that Josiah has been made public. Operation Josiah has been made public. The self-paced, lawful, common law action to compel your government to obey a lawful command to restore elections. We've lined it up state you know each stage it's it's a it's a you need to go through the process and do it the link is in the description below and i'm on board with whatever mike has uh going i just want to be very clear um there's more than one way to skin this cat more than one way to get your freedom back now one video that i saw um i want to return to sydney powell the kraken the ex-federal prosecutor who gave up her plush job as being a federal prosecutor because she saw corruption. I believe that this woman has put her money where her mouth is. I believe that she's lost her reputation and all these other things. Um, so with that, she has a video where she's, there's a video of her saying something that I think is incredibly significant that I haven't spoke to in depth a lot, but I want to do that right now. So commentary follows. What we are dealing with here is pervasive and very, very dark. 
it's organized, it's well-funded, it's pure evil. They are willing to kill people, a la Kelly Leffler's aide in Georgia, who was suddenly blown up in his car on the way to a rally for her. Uh, he happened to be dating Governor Kemp's daughter. Governor Kemp was considering, I think at that point, a signature audit. And then the Georgia Bureau of Investigation agent who was investigating that, he was the lead investigator, was suddenly dead within a week. And suddenly we don't hear anything else about any of that. We are talking about trillions of dollars of global wealth at issue here. The leadership and control of the of the most powerful country on the face of the earth. Yeah, um, I think she makes a very good case. She probably knows a lot about the law stuff, uh, the corruption in the government from a law perspective that I don't know. I first saw this in Afghanistan. I first saw the multi-billion dollar corporations overseas plundering and getting paid off American taxes while we were basically over there running security for them and just killing people. I saw two kids walk through a minefield. Well, I didn't see it, but two kids walk through a minefield trying to harvest the metal in the minefield. The minefield was put in by the Soviets, and we, the American military, occupied a position, occupied a position that the Soviets occupied. This is TB Airborne in Wardak. This is Maiden Shar, Afghanistan. So I, I, I shut that down. I was the last American off that off that base. When there was a minefield to the north of the perimeter, and these local um, Afghans, their tribe was named the Kuchi tribe. The Kuchis were so poor that they would come and send, they would send their children into the minefields to get the metal from the mines because the mines were anti-personnel mines, and they were designed to trigger after 90 pounds of pressure were applied to them which was an anti-personnel, so somebody walks on it. So they were designed for humans. And so they'd send in these kids, because the kids aren't 90 pounds, and the kids could just walk through the minefield, and they would go and they would dig around and get the mines. Well, one of the mines blew up, killed one of the kids, messed up another one of the kids. And I remember, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, we bring their bodies in, and I'm just seeing these kids ravaged. And I'm like, what are we doing here, man? Like, what? Like honestly, what are we doing? These people hate our guts. And the war has sown these minefields decades ago and now the locals are sending their kids to come get the metal because the locals are that poor probably because the nation is occupied by militaries like America or, or the Soviet Union 30 years ago at the time so I saw that type of stuff I remember fielding the very first switchblade drone in world history given to us by the CIA in what April of 2010 May of 2010 and then after you know killed a couple people with it they sold it to Congress for a couple million dollars and now it's in its fifth generation it's a it's a drone launched uh, counterfire system that basically it's you know, three, four, five pounds of C4 that just you you wire guide it or you you uh, message guide it, radar guide it, your little camera, and you do a kamikaze blow up mission. So someone shoots at you, you shoot this thing, and you guide it in and kill them. Um, effective, but it's like, you know, I, we're there for for war profiteering. We're there for weapons development. We're there for reasons that we shouldn't be.
And so I've seen it from that perspective. But she's right that there's a there's trillions of dollars on the line. And if you get integrity in your elections, that is going to clarify the people's choice, the people's power. Because if you're the godless commies, you have every incentive in the world to hijack the most powerful nation in the history of the world, the United States. And how do you do that? You don't occupy by force. There's way too many of us. There's, what, one, one and a half million? Let's just be generous. Two million members in the armed forces? Two million? And there's 330 plus million Americans? You can't, and, and not everybody in the military is a trigger puller. Most of the people in the military are sustainment. They're, they're in the rear with the gear. They're, they're support of the trigger pullers. So you've got way too many people for the military to ever wrangle and control. It, just, it, 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 it wouldn't happen until people are just incredibly docile, which is where people get into FEMA camps and stuff. I'm off, I'm off track. My point is that when you have people with a lot of power, they will go after people who threaten that power. They will have death threats. Um, they will threaten people's wives at work. They will, uh, you know, call your phone and say that they want to slit your kid's throat. They will do all sorts of things to threaten you, to shut you up, because what you're doing is is bringing people, uh, you know, knowledge, awareness, and information that the more that it gets out, it, it disrupts the frame. When Jesus came and he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom, Matthew chapter 4, Matthew 5, um, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, he was bringing truth. He was he was preaching God's word in a way that people had never heard it. They, they said, wow, this guy speaks with authority, unlike all those guys. Well, I believe one of the main reasons why the scribes and the Pharisees hated Jesus was because he knew the law better than they did, and he preached it like he believed it. Because knowing the law is one thing, but preaching it like you believe it is a completely different thing. And so here's Christ preaching the gospel of the kingdom, calling him, you know, saying, I'm the Messiah, let's do this thing. And those guys had every incentive in the world. Those Jews had every incentive in the world to hand him over to Pilate to get him killed. Every incentive in the world. Their entire apparatus was at stake. Because if people believed Jesus, they didn't need an intercessor to God anymore because they got Jesus. There's the Messiah right there. In a very much earthly reduced vision, reversion, that's no one where comparison, but a parallel that has echoes. Your founding fathers that loved Jesus, believed the Bible, gave us a constitution where you are a, one of the popular sovereigns. You are one of the people. You represent a sliver of King George III's crown. There will be people that believe bad conspiracies like well the organic acts of 1871 made us a corporation and we're now owned by the vatican and the crown and the admiralty laws and people will believe those things show me where that's ever displaced the constitution because an enactment of congress is not the constitution so anything the congress does let's just say that that actually happened that doesn't negate the constitution what you've done, if you believe this, if you're hearing me and you believe this, you've believed an interpretation of law that is not true. And because you believe it, you propagate this story that because it's not true, you're actually lying to the people and you're telling them a version of things that aren't so. Which should make you question all the people that are freely talking about the fact that, oh, well, let's do state and let's do this and this. Like, 
why would they be free to talk about those things? They're leading people astray. To the contrary, if you are one of the people and you come to your government by right, the government has to obey. The government has to recognize we've trespassed your rights. We can't do anything to you because you're the beneficiary of government and you're the grantor. You have all political power and, and government was been, uh, designed and instituted for your benefit. When you recognize that, one, you won't fear government anymore because then it's just an issue of determining what the controversy is. So let's say the government has a regulation against you. Okay, we'll track that regulation to its origin. Where did the government get the power, if the government has the power, to talk to me the way that they're doing right now? Show me that authority. Show me the authority where you can say this. And they'll say, well, this statute. No, 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 no. Go to the original intent of that statute. Is it non-positive law and has never been passed by Congress, like Title 42? Or is it positive law that had an original legislative intent that is so far away from what you're actually being charged with right now? Hello, Title 18 USC. Crimes against the state. Do you recognize Title 18 came from something where they wanted to go against organized crime? Well, if you're not organized crime, why are they charging you with crimes? Because it's just grown. It's grown. The Leviathan has its labyrinth in the legislation. So Sidney Powell's talking about these people that have millions and trillions of dollars on the line. And they do. So what would they do to people that threaten them? You may remember Governor Kemp, Brian Kemp, for those of you all in Georgia. Brian Kemp was about to announce, or he was considering, like she was saying, he was considering looking at the machines. He was considering doing an audit. And then his daughter's boyfriend mysteriously died in this crash, burned alive. Burned alive. This is the day after Brian Kemp said, you know what, yeah, let's look at these machines. Then this crash happened. Then after this crash happened, you have Brian Kemp said, no, we can't look at the machines anymore. That person who died was an aide to Kelly Loeffler, who was the woman that was going to go for U.S. Senate that was in the January 5th U.S. Senate runoff in Georgia. There's so much stuff going on that you think that if you're in the position of power and someone close to you in proximation gets offed at a very uh, you know opportune moment and you change your position completely, I'm just saying it's like for the low price of killing some kid in a fiery car crash, if that's the case, they bought the allegiance of a governor real fast. And that, to me, suggests the psychology of the people who are in public office. And that is, the people who are in public office are not the ones that are actually in charge. And here I'm a double entendre, I'm doing double entendre because we the people, by right, have all political power. We are in charge. But if there's puppeteers funneling cash or giving business opportunities or potentially killing off people that are proximate to you to threaten you to get back in the line, they seem to think that they're in charge. So whenever you propose ideas that directly conflict with the power structures of the day, there will be pushback. There will be threats. Your dogs will go missing. Your wife will get a threat while she's at work. People will call in and say they want to kill your kids and slit their throats. All this type of stuff will start to happen. And if you've never been in that position before and it happens to you, you're like, what's going on? What am I doing that's getting this type of response? Because all I'm doing is telling people the truth. Got it. 
Got it. And this is the part that I think that either A, most people don't know because they haven't been um, exposed to it, or B, if they do know, they can't comprehend because they haven't been exposed to it. But when it happens to you, you see you see things a lot. You you see things more clearly because you recognize all I got to do is push this nerve right here. I just got to touch this nerve, and these people freak out. All you got to do is say certain things or do certain things, and they go ballistic. One of the ways to know who's in charge is to know who you can't talk about, who you can't make fun of. These are the things that I've thought about, and by God's grace, I believe that there is wisdom to address this. And that's what I want to talk about right now. In John chapter 3, Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus. And Jesus is telling Nicodemus that he must be born again. Now, I believe that this is obviously a salvation message. He's obviously telling Nicodemus, a, a Pharisee, that you have to be born again. And Nicodemus, being uh, you know a guy that's you know looking for signs and wonders, trying to understand this teaching that he's never heard, says, "How can a man who's old be born again? How can he re-enter his mother's womb?" So Nicodemus is taking it literally. He's taking Jesus' message literally. Jesus' message is literal in the sense that you must be a new creation. The old is gone; the new has come. Second Corinthians chapter five. But Nicodemus is sitting here thinking, I have to be in my mother's womb and be born again to be saved. I don't get it. And Jesus says, you're the teacher of Israel? Like, you're the teacher of Israel? And then he goes on to explain that the spirit moves about like the wind. You know he's there. You can see it moving things. You can even hear it. But you don't know where he comes from and you don't know where he goes. So likewise is those who are born of the spirit is that you can't have a five-step plan to be born again. That doesn't happen. You might think in your head, here's how I organize it mentally. Here's my mental ascension to a dogma that's been broken up into steps. But if you don't have circumcision of the heart and you're not born again by the Spirit, you ain't going to go to heaven, which is why you need to believe the gospel because that's how you're saved. Now, in a law sense, or in an operation sense, likewise, this is what we'll call the wind model. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it goes. It's, but, but he's there. The Holy Spirit is there. The wind is there. You don't know how it happens, how he does what he does, but you know he does what he does, and you don't know, you can't track him. He's untrackable. So this is what we'll call the wind. On the other hand, I want to call Babel, like the Tower of Babel which actually in the Hebrew means confusion. And in, uh, what was it, the ancient, uh, not Assyrian, but there's an ancient language, the ancient Babylonian language, uh, it means, um, it, you know, for Hebrew it means confusion. For the Babylonians, it meant like um, construction or it meant like building a tower like to gods. And so the Tower of Babel was to the Babylonians to go to God, but in the Hebrew it means the Tower of Confusion, which was interesting because that's where God, you know, confused the languages. My point is, on the Tower of Babel, there was clearly a purpose. There was clearly an organization, and there was an intent. Let's do this. Build that. Put that block there. You guys bring your stuff and build that stuff there. And there's a lot of stuff behind it, but what I want to point to is the way that God does stuff 
is like the wind. You can't track it. You can't prevent you can't prevent him. You can't stop him. And he's going to do things in a way that you can't explain but yet you can't deny. The man way of doing things is let's build this tower. Let's make it organized. Let's have county chapters. Let's have statewide chapters. Let's do this. Let's do that. The reason why I have done Josiah the way that I've done it to get lawful elections at a decentralized and autonomous self-paced process is so that as things are happening, no one will know what's going on and they won't be able to explain it. This is more of the wind model. It's, it's, it's decentralized, it's dispersed, it's autonomous, where each group is by itself and there's no central uh, organization telling, let's get a chapter here, let's get a chapter there, let's organize here, let's do a meeting here. I don't want that. Because I don't want to be identified as the dude that's doing the stuff. I, I, like, I, I want the American people to do it. At the same time, whenever you have people that say, here's the big grandiose plan and make sure you wear the hats and the hoodies and do all the shirt stuff, it's like, okay, you're, you, you are opening yourself, I believe, you're opening yourself up for vulnerability. And the vulnerability is by building the tower, you're identifying the thing where you're putting your focus. To the contrary, by doing it the wind way, it's as the spirit moves, as you get from uh, you know illumination from scripture, from prayer, as God's working in your hearts. I believe that that is a more you know biblical way of doing stuff. You can count the cost, you can do those things, but it's more unpredictable, which most people won't like because they want to see the plan. Show me the plan, show me it works, show me what it looks like, because they're like, these stiff-necked Jews. They want the signs and wonders. Give me the signs. Give me the wonders. Prove to me you are who you are. Well, why don't you have faith in the written word? Why don't you believe what's there? I had a friend today say, if the founders, when they wrote the declaration, had to see it work before they did it, you'd never get America. And clearly, God blessed their efforts because America stands today. The Constitutional Republic exists today. So when we look back at history, we have get the benefit of, okay, here's how God's worked. We can track what the wind has done in the past. But now we're talking about moving forward. And now people are going, well, I, I need to build the tower. Show me the blueprints. Show me the building materials. Show me the labor force that you're going to use to do it. And it's like, don't you recognize that we're not building a tower, we're going with the wind. We are going as the spirit moves. That's what I believe we need to be able to do when we're going against the powers and principalities. It's not about outsmarting them. It's not about coming up with the best plan that's perfect and everything. It's about whatever we do has to be marinated, dripping, ontologically, indefeasibly about truth. You need to be speaking truth all the time. In Josiah, we're talking about the constitutions. We're talking about the maxims of law. We're talking about what the strict observance to the trust indenture is. Every single step along the way is truth, 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 truth. There's nothing arguable about it. Unless you're just an enemy to the constitution, you deny maxims, which means you don't understand what the law is. Or you're arguing the definitions, which I've got the book right here. Do you want to show me where the definition I got from the book is not from the book? And so I'm not trying to throw shade or undermine any other efforts. I, like I said, I support Mike Lindell's plan, and there's plenty of other people doing election integrity. 
What I'm trying to get at is this concept that I believe Americans have been programmed to participate by observance. Show me. Show me what it looks like, and then I'll do it. Show me who is in charge, and then I'll listen to that person. And I believe that where we're at right now is we have to be according to the wind. We have to be according to the spirit. We have to be according to what is written in the Bible and in the government, what's written in the Constitution. And we got to stick to the written words. The difficulty, the challenge is that you're going to say, but I don't know what that looks like. And this is where I would just come back and say, preach it. Tell people it's true. And tell people it's true as though you believe it. Not that you want something to happen, but that you've already found the truth and they need to have it. And then as that goes, people will start using words like maladministration. People will start using words like that's unlawful. People will start making connections like you have a sworn duty to the trust to benefit the people. You are in trespass or breach of trust and so you are unlawful. Those are law words. Those are law arguments. That is a that is such high law, there's no argument against it. And when you start swearing to these things and you 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 stand on the sworn affidavit, you're asserting fact, you're making claim. Government won't want to touch that. Because now you are standing firmly in the position in law you're supposed to be, which is as the people who are in charge of government. And I believe that that is going to have an aggregated psychological effect, a spiritual effect, which gets back to the wind. We're not trying to control the wind. We're trying to do what the wind is telling us to do, what the spirit is telling us to do. And as it's happening all over the place, there will be people who are in government, these godless commies, these idolaters, these puppeteers. They will be like, what is going on? We don't want to mess with these people because they're saying stuff and they're swearing to it. We don't want to mess with them. Just the fact that you're willing to go to jail for saying the truth is something that 99.9% .9 of people won't do. They will never do it. So when you do it and you're begging, you're begging them, you're, you're demanding they engage the law that you're standing on, there's nobody else in this nation doing this. My teacher, Dave Jose, his group does this, but there's nobody else in the nation standing on the truth. Not to say that they're not saying true things, but when you swear under penalty of perjury on an instrument and you send that to a government official, it's a completely different paradigm because now you are engaging them. You're not waiting, them for, for, you're not waiting for them to come to you. You are going to them. And I guarantee you that is not something that they're used to. It's not something that they have experience with. And when your documents and your instruments are tight using maxims and you're quoting the constitution that they've sworn to and you're demanding that your rights are defended, they don't have an argument against you because you're arguing the highest law in the land. And this is the, the, this is the strength that I see. This is the difference between wind and Babel. The wind of the Holy Spirit and the Tower of Babel as a deliberate approach to like accomplish the thing. Because you're going to be hijacked by infiltrators, you're going to be having shills, you're going to have be trolls, you're going to have uh, have people you know give up trade secrets or or tell people things like you will have betrayal and the the uh, the, the effort will have betrayal from within. That's always happened. I believe the f the wisdom of the founders was to recognize as long as Christians read their Bible, believe their Bible, and preach the gospel, America will be safe. 
because a Christian who reads and believes the Bible and preaches the gospel is not a Christian that's going to take crap from government. And I'll say that there's a lot of people who have heard this song, uh, The Rich Men North of Richmond by Oliver Anthony. And I have seen more Christians complain about the fact that he said BS than about the fact that the song is about child trafficking or uh, you know obese people or people killing themselves or broken families or the oppression of, of exchanging your time on earth for a job that's barely able to support your family. More people will complain about the fact that he said S-H-I-T than they will about the content of the song. Well, I just wish he had clean language. I wish he had, well, okay, amen. Go read Philippians 3 verse 8. Go, go look at the Greek and figure out what Paul is actually saying whenever he's comparing his accolades to rubbish. Go find the Greek. Go listen to my Lord whenever he calls Herod a fox. Go realize what calling someone a fox is. Go study that. Or how about the fact that you've got Elijah on Mount Carmel whenever he's calling out to the prophets of Baal. He's like, what's your God doing? Taking a dump? Matthew 23, Jesus excoriates the scribes and the Pharisees. Do you think that he was doing that as though he's a church mouse on a pew? The Bible has human emotion, and there is a justified response to things. And if your ears are more offended by curse words than they are about the ideas that are destructive, it is as though Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you're missing the weightier matters of the law. You're tithing your spices and your mint and your cumin. But you're missing mercy and justice and faithfulness. You're missing the fact that this world is on fire and it's calling out for people to come preach them the gospel, to live as though the gospel is true. And people are still sitting going, well, I need the plan. I need to know what we're supposed to be doing and I need to know who's going to do it so that I can give them money. That is not the solution at this point. I believe that we are in the times of being slaughtered like lambs. This is the time for us to glorify God by living as though he is king. And that may put you in conflict with people who hate your guts. That may put you in conflict where you lose the amenities or the comforts of this world that you're being used to. Now, I don't like that. I'm not telling you to go do anything violent. I'm not telling you to go shoot. There's people that'll still say, uh, these people need to, you know, people need to stand up and do what they're saying. It's like, okay, what do you mean by that? Because if you mean violence, that's not what I mean. I believe that if you know the law, you stand on your rights, and you assert them in written, lawful instruments to your government officials, I don't believe that they have an argument against you. I don't think that you've done anything unlawful. And I think that you, if you tell the truth, you have, you have glorified your creator by participating in the government that he has allowed, that he has blessed, that he has ordained in this country. And I believe that that's a good thing. And it doesn't happen. It won't go from your head to your heart until you recognize, you know what? I'm willing to die for this stuff. And once you cross over and you get to that position and you're willing to die for what you say, you will realize very quickly, they can't do jack to you. Sure, throw me in prison. Kill me. Do whatever you want. I get to go to heaven. So let's speed this thing up. <laughs> let's, let's speed this thing up. And folks, that's a fanaticism. That's a fanaticism that the enemy can't handle. That's a fanaticism they don't get. 
they can get evil. They can be fanatics and they're evil, but their evil is all self-serving. The fanaticism for Christ is not self-serving at all, which is why it's so powerful. Love, you know, the, the, the biblical love is a self-sacrificial act. It's an act self-sacrificing. Self-sacrificing participation in God's creation cannot be trumped by self-serving, self-aggrandizing, prideful, greedy, uh, you know, violence. Can't happen. Can't happen. And the wisdom of God is that he can take these people and turn their guns on themselves. He does that all the time. The traps that they set up, they fall into. The enemies that they are, the, the, the allies that they think that they're aligned with, somehow all of a sudden come and stab them in the back. That happens all the time. And God's people walking faithfully with him, doing what he wants them to do, they always seem to be delivered. <laughs> like they, they always seem to be provided for. And it's like, how do you do that? Because he's in charge and he moves like the wind. He's not going to build a stationary tower and say, hey guys, here is the thing that everyone... Decentralized, autonomous, faithful, obedient Christians fighting the foxhole that God put them in with the talents that he gave them is sufficient because that's what God's chosen to do. So I applaud the efforts of Mike Lindell and the Patriots that are going for getting lawful elections. I would encourage you and invite you to go to commonlawpeople.com slash Josiah, which is the link that's at the bottom of your screen right now. And it's in the description box. If you want lawful elections, Read the video or watch the video training trustees. Watch the video, the Red Barn presentation. Uh, there's all sorts of ways to help me and support me. I appreciate that. That's my, that's my job. That's how I do these things. That's how I take the time to study to present this information. Um, but most importantly, folks, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus, none of this stuff matters. And that's what I really love about what Mike Lindell did because he was very specific about Jesus Christ not a vague or ambiguous God, not a politically palatable, okay, it's the same God of Judaism, it's the same God of Buddhism, it's the same God of Muslim. No, it's not. Modern Judaism follows the Talmud. That's not the Bible. That's a demonic Bible that says Jesus is burning in hell. So it's not. It's not Buddhism because they literally have a religion that says you must deny what you want in order to get nirvana. So how could you want, if you want nirvana, you would have to deny yourself, like that doesn't make sense. Like you, like families are destroyed because instead of taking care of their kids, they have to say, I have to give up everything I want. No, it's the fact that everything has to have its context in Jesus and nothing can rival him. Islam, don't even start on that one. Christianity is, Bible, Bible Christianity, the Bible teaches to follow Christ. The Bible teaches that Christ is the Messiah. The Bible teaches that the only way to heaven is through the blood of the Lamb, through the death, the burial, the resurrection. What that means is that you have to recognize first that you are a sinner and you are not God. You are wrong. You're a liar. You're a murderer. You're an idolater, just like me, just like everybody else. And when people recognize that, it will hit them. I will die. I will spend an eternity somewhere and I'm going to be guilty because I'm guilty right now and that guilt 
is what people will deny and say, no, 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 I, I don't like this guilt-shaming victim, you know, self-blame stuff. This is where a lot of people who preach a lofty, flowery, stupid, bloodless gospel, they're going to go to hell because they ain't preaching the truth. They're not telling people that you're a sinner in trespass against an almighty, wrathful God. But because God is good and he's loving, he put himself on the cross, sent himself virgin-born, sinless life, put himself on the cross as the ultimate act of love. At the same time, it's the ultimate act of defeating the powers and principalities of the world. And that doesn't make sense to people because most people are trying to build the Tower of Babel. They're not willing to follow the wind. They're not willing to figure out how the spirit is moving them, which is dangerous and uncertain and unpredictable. They're not willing to do that. What they want to do is they want to make sense now. They want to build their wealth now. They want to build their reputation, get followers. They want to do things that are ordered and measured and sequential and things that are predictable and reliable and evidence. Show me what you've done so that I can do it for me because if I want your success, you have to show me how to do it. And that's just not the way that things go. The gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you believe the shed blood of the Lamb washes away your sins and that he physically rose on the third day, you will be in heaven. Not because you're good. Not because you've earned it. Not because you were perfect in all your ways. But because Christ said so. And he's good. And he keeps his word. Amen. Believe the gospel, my friends. Appreciate your time. Thank you for watching. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, there's ways to support me. Uh, the links are in the description below. I would encourage you to sign up at thepatriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Take the, the shopping you're already doing and switch it over. It's a private association. You're going to get a call from me or somebody else with me. And we're going to invite you and welcome you into a different way to do direct product purchase. Direct product purchase. There's no, You don't have to tell anybody about anything. There's no obligation to you. It's a membership fee, just like everything else, but it's $1, and you can cancel it anytime with no cost. Direct product purchase, private association. You save, price competitive. You get 450, over 450 product available, availability, availability, can't talk, that don't have hazardous or harmful chemicals. So stop doing stuff from big corporations that you don't know the stuff that's in there that's harming you and come to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Help support my work, but also get yourself price competitive products made at 100% American manufacturing, delivered directly to your door, cancel anytime, no cost. Pretty good situation. If that is not what you want to do and you want to do other things, you can give monthly gifts or a one-time gift. That link is in the description below. God bless you. Thank you very much. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow. Till next time, I am Jaron Jackson. I do love America. God bless you. Don't quit. Do not quit. We're just getting warmed up. Go to war.